have you guys done it before? And, and it was kind of like, well, you know, not, not really, but Concho kind of has, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not an idiot. And, and, uh, and I was like, well, yeah, you know, I'm not an idiot either. So let's, uh, let's do it. You know? So we kind of got together. It was like this team of three. So me, Aran and Concho, and we just started, uh, you know, trial and error kind of, we definitely had a few errors in the process, but we just started doing it. Welcome to episode number seven of the Dode Mode podcast. Today I'm interviewing my friend Jordan, who is currently building a place in Nicaragua, and he has a history of travel and teaching, and is altogether a pretty interesting dude. Uh, So I'm super excited to share this conversation with you guys, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today, Jordan. Thanks for having me on, Dorian. Absolutely. So to get us started, can you give me a bit of a history of um, yourself, where you come from, and what you've kind of done leading up until the present? Yeah, I I was born and raised in a small town called Cottonwood, Arizona. And I always have had kind of a passion for travel and adventure. And from there, uh, I, you know, I studied at a university here in Arizona and um, fell into a job teaching, uh, which I really enjoyed in that kind of, uh, I, I got into that with the, with the idea of traveling internationally. And that took me to Turkey and Panama and Nicaragua and Mexico, uh, all of all countries that I got the chance to live in for a while and for periods of time. And I am actually currently back in my hometown of Cottonwood, Arizona, where I had not been for quite a while. So that kind of uh, takes me around the world a little bit and, and then currently back home. That's incredible. Uh, so you, correct me if I'm wrong, but your wife is uh, from Nicaragua, is that correct? That is correct. My wife is from Nicaragua and our daughter was born in Nicaragua. And so this has been, for both of them, the first chance to see the USA. That's incredible. That must be so exciting to show them around your old hunting grounds, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's been uh it's been a lot of fun so far and fun to get to see some cold weather. Uh that's something that, you know, we don't get to experience in Nicaragua. So, and it's, you know, it's uh it's starting to cool down here. So, we can already see some snow in the distance um in, on some mountains and I think that's been really fun for Carolina, my wife, and uh and yeah. So, getting to see a little bit of change of sceneries it's always a good thing. Totally. Can you tell me a little bit more about your teaching experiences in, um, you said Turkey and Panama, Mexico as well, did you say? Um, tell me tell me a little bit more about your experiences there. Uh, what kind of stuff did you see? How long were you out on those trips and what were you teaching? 
so my first international, like my first real international teaching experience uh, was in Turkey. And that was a two-year contract. And I was teaching, um, they called it learning services. So it was kind of like special, you know, sp special needs uh, students, but um, really, really just kind of students that needed a little bit of extra help in a, in a pretty rigorous international curriculum. And so I was in charge of a caseload of those students and just helping them get through their classes. So I would um, I would sit in on on classes with them or I would pull them out for, you know, small group lessons. And and I was just kind of their go to person, kind of a support person just to just to make sure that they were that they were doing OK and able to keep up with, uh, like I said, a pretty rigorous curriculum. So um, but, you know, uh, aside from teaching. Uh, that was just amazing in general, just the opportunity and experience of uh, going to Turkey. And when I accepted that job, you know, I, I really didn't know anything about Turkey at all. I, you know, I had to pull out a map to even, you know, figure out exactly where it was. And, um, and when I was offered the job, I, a friend of mine had been to Turkey and I knew that. And so I actually called him up on the phone and I told him, I said, you know, I hadn't accepted the job yet that I had just been offered it. And so I called him up and I said, I said, Hey, Jeff, I just got accepted or I just got offered a job in Turkey. You know, what do you think? Should I take it? And, uh, and he just told me, he said, he said, go for it, Webb. He said, go for it. You're going to love it there. And that was kind of, that was all I needed to hear. You know, I was already kind of, uh, excited to start my international journey of teaching, uh, teaching abroad. And so, that was all I needed to hear. And uh, so I accepted the job and, you know, a few months later, got on the plane and I still remember like how excited I was on the plane ride over. You know, I was already getting an experience for the new culture, just seeing the people on the plane around me, you know, some were Turkish and they were, you know, flying back to their homeland and, you know, just in their traditional, traditional dress and, you know, traditional mannerisms. And, and I was already, you know, getting pretty stoked on, on the idea of, of just uh, uprooting myself and, and landing down in Turkey. So that was uh, a really amazing experience. And, and I was there for, for two years. Cool. Would you, would you say that you experienced a bit of a culture shock on that first, first trip or, or how would you describe kind of the feeling of landing in a different country for the first time and seeing a totally different culture? Yeah, I think for me, it, it, it didn't feel so much as like a culture shock as so much just like culture, culture excitement and like just stimuli everywhere. Um, and I was so I mean, there was everything was new to me. You know, it was a new language, new foods, new history to learn, um, you know, just new culture, new sights, new sounds, new smells. Everything was just almost like sensory overload to me. and. I remember in my first few months there, I actually, I was, I got, I was feeling pretty overwhelmed just with so much to do. Like I wanted to try everything and there were so many good restaurants to eat at and so many places to explore and so many people to meet and every name, even just learn making new friends, every name was like a foreign language to me. So, you know, it was like Ahmed and, uh, and Belki and, you know, names that I had never heard of. So, even just learning someone's name was like learning a new word for me, you know, new vocabulary. 
Uh, and I was so overwhelmed that I had to set myself a schedule. Um, and so I remember like Monday nights, I, I ate, you know, shish kebab at a, at a certain restaurant. And I got to know those people and the owners of the restaurant because I went there every single Monday. And, you know, Tuesday nights was, uh, was playing soccer with a, you know, there was like a, an outdoor park that, that was near my apartment. And so I would go there and, and, you know, I'd play pickup soccer every Tuesday and, you know, Wednesday was a different restaurant. So I had to kind of set myself a schedule just to kind of keep myself a little bit grounded because, because there was just so much overload of excitement and cool things to do. So, um, so yeah, definitely it was a big, you know, it was a big learning curve, um, just to being there. But once I got comfortable and, uh, I picked up the language pretty well, so that was fun. I, I, you know, I really dedicated myself to learning Turkish and um, being able to go out in the community and meet people and communicate and have conversations. So that was really important to me. So I, so I dedicated quite a lot of time to just learning Turkish. And and once I had a, you know, a conversational ability in the language, um, that that just made the experience that much more fun for me. So. It was a great time. And, uh, you know, I almost wish that I would have would have stayed longer. But after two years, I decided to move on. That's amazing. Was travel something you always knew you wanted to do? Or at what point did you kind of decide that that was a direction you wanted to take your life? I think so. Uh, you know, it was always part of my family's, um, you know, my my family's culture we we would take frequent trips even as kids like down into mexico we're we're from arizona or i'm from arizona and so mexico is pretty nearby so mexico was an easy destination for us growing up and um and yeah i remember we would go on you know several vacations a year my mom was a she was a school psychologist and so that was really beneficial for us in that she had the same kind of school schedule that my sister and I had. Um, and so, you know, schools take lots of breaks. So we would get a spring break and a summer break and a winter break and, you know, long weekends from time to time. And, and every time we were off school, my mom was also off work. So, so we would take advantage of that and we would, we would do a lot of traveling. And, um, and that was, yeah, that was also kind of what got me into the idea of, of working international was that my mom, when she retired from being a school, school psychologist in Arizona, she accepted a position in Shanghai, China, uh, to be a school psychologist, school counselor. And so she took this international position in Shanghai, China. And this was around the time when I was, um, this was around the time when I was just finishing up my university studies and didn't know what I wanted to do. And I went to visit her in China and man, she was balling out out there in China. She like lived in this, in this nice apartment and, you know, she was able to pay, pay someone to, you know, cook and clean for her. And uh, she had all of these friends who were doing the same thing and they were going on these vacations. Like I, I went and visited her at her school and talked to some of the other teachers. And there was a younger guy and he, I think he was teaching math and he was that weekend, he was going, you know, scuba diving in Thailand. And, uh, and so it was just like, it was, you know, these guys were living like these dream lives 
and and I and I thought, man, you know, this is great one for my mom that she's getting to do this, but you know, this is this would be a real possibility for me too, and and not to wait until I'm retired like she did, but to do this right now. So so from an early age, you know, I kind of got the travel bug just even as a kid. But then, you know, when I was getting ready to step into like a more professional career um, in adulthood, you know, I also was still traveling and, and got some eye-opening experiences that sort of led me in that direction. That's that's so cool, just hearing that kind of progression from from as a kid, you always kind of did a little bit of traveling right up until now where you're you're essentially based in Nicaragua, is that right? Yes, yes, yeah. You know, life uh, life takes us to interesting places if we let it. And and yeah, my life led me to Nicaragua, and and that is where we are currently based. Um, though, like I say, you know, we're 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 back here right now in the states for a little while, and and I've kind of always felt that, you know, I think oftentimes we we get locked into one place and one job and one routine for you know, for some people it's for their whole lives. And, and that's never, that concept has never really sat well with me. And I've always thought that maybe there's, maybe there's another way to do it or another way to look at it. And so I've always thought, you know, why do we have to be, you know, tied down to only, you know, one town or one city or one country, even, you know, it's, um, we can, we can look at it, look at the world in a broader perspective and and say, you know what, I want to, I want to be mobile. So right now we're in Nicaragua, but you know, that doesn't mean that Nicaragua's will where we'll be forever. Totally. Yeah. Looking at, uh, looking at the world, it's a big, big place. And it almost feels like there's not enough time in a lifetime to see it all right. There's not, um, but we can, we could do our best, best to see, see a little bit of it at least, which I think is super inspiring watching watching your journey in that way. Can you tell me a little bit about how you landed in Nicaragua, um, how long you've been there and the the project and the vision that you're working on right now? I'm gonna link to all your uh all your socials and and your GoFundMe and stuff. Um but tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um you know, it actually, in my first trip to Nicaragua actually came down to a coin toss, um, literally. And I was living in Panama, and I was working at an international school in Panama, um, and I was enjoying it. But, you know, as, a, as an educator, we get summer vacations, and I wanted to do something different with my summer vacation. So... I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to one of these nearby countries, you know, near Panama, um, and I'm gonna and I was looking maybe for like a volunteer opportunity, looking to get involved in in something, um, and you know, really dig dig into a country for a few weeks or, or a couple of months, and uh, and it kind of came down to Ecuador or Nicaragua, and and so I tossed a coin and the toy, coin came up heads. And heads was Nicaragua. So that's where I headed. So I was like, okay, I'm going to Nicaragua this summer. And that's where I'm going to spend my, you know, my summer vacation. And, and so that's what I did. I, I found a volunteering opportunity there and I flew to Nicaragua. And I just remember touching down in Nicaragua on the plane and looking around 
and thinking, yeah, this is this is what I thought Central America was, you know, because um, when I went to Panama, I think I had a I think I had I had a few misconceptions maybe about what life was going to be like in Panama. And, you know, Panama was cool and Panama is really beautiful, but it's also very developed and very Americanized. And at, at that time, that's just not what I was looking for. I wanted something that was a little bit more raw um, and a little bit more like authentic um, for me. And, and that was what I found in Nicaragua. So as soon as I touched down, I was just looking around and, you know, seeing the shabby buildings and, and just the rawness of it. And, and I just said, yeah, I like it here. And so I did that volunteering experience there. And then also continued after that, continued to travel just through the country. And the more I saw, the more I liked. So I kind of made up a decision right then and there that, uh, when my contract was finished in Panama, that I would move to Nicaragua. And so I went back, I still had a year left on my contract in Panama, I, I finished that out. And then I came back to the States for a little bit to kind of, you know, visit family and tie up a few loose ends. And then, and then I, I, I packed up a backpack and, and moved to Nicaragua. Um, and that ended up not being my, you know, my final move there. You know, I kind of, I floundered a little bit and I floated around trying to find my way and came back to the U S a couple of times, but um, but I never kind of lost sight of that vision of going to Nicaragua and starting something. And at that point, I really didn't even know what that was going to be. I just thought, man, I want to, I want to go to Nicaragua. It just has such this raw, like blank slate feel that I felt like, you know, anyone with some passion and some vision and some good ideas could just go there and just do it. And, uh, and I even I was back here back home in Arizona and I was trying to recruit people you know trying you know I was talking to buddies of mine and talking to people and I was like let's go man Nicaragua's cool let's just go and and they were asking me yeah but what are we gonna do and I don't know but you know you're smart and I'm smart and we're both fun and we're adventurous and let's just go and we'll figure it out and you know everybody was like yeah but Jordan I have a job and I have family and I have this and I have that so you know, I started to realize that no one was coming with me. Uh, and so, you know, I said, fuck it, I I'm going. And so, uh, so I said, I'm going. And, and so that's what I did. So I went to Nicaragua, uh, you know, like I say, just with a backpack on and, and I just started, I just started traveling around and volunteering. I did a lot of volunteering and just trying to figure out, you know, where I wanted to land. And I spent quite a bit of time on Ometepe. I don't know if you ever got the chance to go to Ometepe. Um, but I spent some time on Ometepe. I, I got into some communities there and dug in and, you know, eventually, uh, I found, I found some, some really cool organizations doing some really great things in Leon. And so I volunteered with them for a while and we were looking at maybe some, even some, like some full-time positions with them. But, um, I think more than anything, you know, my heart was always calling to me to to start something of my own. And that's what I ended up doing. I uh, I started a, a nonprofit organization down there in uh, in a small beach town called Las Peñitas. And um, and that kind of started, you know, that kind of started my my Nicaragua adventure. And uh, I mean, it's kind of a long story to kind of. But from there, uh, you know, I met my wife and we had a kid and. 
you know, COVID happened and it was kind of time to, to shut that organization down after about six years. And, um, and, you know, that was a really tough, uh, decision and, and really kind of, uh, it was a difficult decision to make, but it, it felt like the right thing to do at that time. And, and we started, uh, so like I said, I started focusing more on family and that took us down to Popoyo where, where I met you and your family and we lived for a while quite happily. Um, but even then in Popoyo, there was something missing for us. And that something was still like having, having land of our own. You know, I, I, I think I always had that concept of starting something of my own. And, and I did that in starting a nonprofit organization, but I never, you know, I never literally planted the roots into the ground, you know, literally and figuratively. And I think that was what was missing. And so my wife, while we were in Popoyo, my wife inherited some some land up in northern Chinandega, and it was kind of a dream of ours to start a farm. And so that was that kind of brings us up to date. We we moved up there to Chinandega, and we and we started a small, what we hope to be someday sustainable farm that brings us food abundance would be our goal and vision for that project. That's incredible. That's awesome. And when people think rural, they don't, uh, they may not picture exactly what, like the type of rural that, uh, that I saw in Nicaragua. Sometimes there were places that I was fortunate enough to visit that were so far off the beaten path that uh, it could be hours by either a horse or just walking, but there was no way to get a, a vehicle there um really really just so um so kind of isolated but there's people living all up in those mountains and stuff and so i was watching some of your videos and stuff and it looks like your guys place everything has to be brought in by hand or was it ox carts you were able to use a little bit yeah yeah pretty much we're we're definitely out there we're pretty rural uh yeah and and like you say i think sometimes we don't grasp what that word can really mean but in nicaragua it can really mean like there's nothing around um we have no electricity we have no running water um and we kind of like it that way and and uh, it's kind of a challenge but and there is a road there is a like we can get in like we can get in on by truck pretty close to our farm um and you know we can ride our motorcycle up close to the farm but where our property is it's just a little bit farther removed than than that road and uh and so yeah we we do a lot of hauling by hand you know throwing things over our shoulder or on horseback or yeah pulling you know using the ox carts which uh which I think you got probably got to glimpse a little bit of in in Popoyo as well, those ox carts, which to me is just such a cool way to transport. Like they're such strong beasts of animals and they can carry so much weight and they just go at nice, like such a nice and slow, steady pace that for me, it's there's something really peaceful about, you know, watching those ox and the ox carts and the, and the men who, who, who drive them. You know, there's something peaceful about watching them work and then also something really kind of satisfying about, you know, just working with nature and natural animals and, you know, not not combustion engines, but just kind of really connecting with what you're doing. So 
Um, so yeah, we do a lot of stuff, just, we do a lot of stuff by hand and manual work and, you know, without any power tools or, or excuse me, without any electricity, we're, we're pretty limited to, you know, the amount of work we can do with power tools. Sometimes we'll bring some, a generator in or something to, you know, to plug in some power tools, but you know, a lot of it is just like nail and hammer and, uh, horses and oxen and connecting with the earth. Totally. And for people who haven't maybe been to a country like Nicaragua, the construction down there is really fascinating how different it is from uh, kind of the brick and mortar we have in North America. Um, like the yeah. uh, the Palapa roofs and the bamboo. I saw you guys are using a lot of bamboo. That stuff just fascinates me. Yeah, it it does. It fascinates me too. And and I don't come from a construction background, you know, I'm, I'm definitely an amateur, um, but it's, it's always something that I've had an interest in. And so when I started, I think maybe sometimes seeing like the big construction, like the big brick and mortar or steel beams and things in, in North America is a little bit intimidating. You know, when I see that, I'm like, hey, yeah, I don't, I, I can't do that. I don't, I don't have the skills or capabilities or uh, or knowledge or or tools to work with that. But when I saw people working with the, you know, with the bamboo and the palm leaves and the natural materials in Nicaragua, you know, it's something that I can understand. I see it and I, I can understand what they're doing. And so it feels more accessible to me. And that was really appealing. So so when we decided that we were going to build, we, you know, we were like, we're, we're going as natural as we can. And, and so that's, uh, that's what we started doing. And what's so cool to me is that we sourced almost 100% of our materials right there locally, like either from our property or from neighboring properties or, or from lands that are really not very far away. So really cool to be able to, to be able to do that. Yeah, that is super cool to, in an effort to be you know, sustainable and use local products. You know, I think that's super cool. Um, how did you, how did you come up with the help? Like who's helping you on that? Is it local people uh, providing some of that labor? I know you're doing a lot of it yourself, eh? Yeah. Um, you know, so when we're heading up there, we were, we were actually, you know, we, we didn't know exactly what we were going to do when we left Popoyo um, we just kind of, we just kind of threw, you know, threw all our chips in. We're like, okay, we're going up to this farm and the rainy season's coming. So we know we need, we need a roof. You know, that was like, that was the first thing. It was like, you know, walls can be built later, but we just need a roof to keep our heads dry when the, when the rain starts coming down. And, um, and so we were looking in, I even talked to some like architect friends and a friend even, uh, uh, you know, he drew us up a design and, 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 you know, for building a house. But once we got up there, we were just kind of looking around like, okay, who can build for us and, and what style can it be? And we started looking around and we saw a lot of people had like the, the Rancho Palapa style, um, you know, palm roof structures. And so we're like, oh, like a lot of people are doing this here, you know? we'll be able to find somebody who knows how to do this. And so that's what we started doing. We just started asking around who can, who can build us a rancho. 
And uh, and we didn't find anyone, you know, everyone was like, ah, there's this guy, but he's no good or or there's this other guy, but he's really expensive or, you know, who knows. Uh, and so one of uh, one of Catalina's uncles, one of my wife's uncles, he said he's like, we can do it. He's like me and me and Concho, like another uncle of hers. We can we can do it. And so I was like, OK, yeah. And, you know, have you guys done it before? And and it was kind of like, well, you know, not. Not really, but Concho kind of has, and and I'm, you know, I'm not an idiot, and and uh, and I was like, well, yeah, you know, I'm not an idiot either, so let's uh let's do it, you know. So we kind of got together. It was like this team of three, um, me, uh, Adan is is one uncle's name, and the other one is Concho. So me, Adan, and Concho, and we just started, uh, you know, trial and error, kind of. We definitely had a few errors in the process, but we just started doing it. So. That was our main, you know, our main construction crew just came from Carolina's family. And then, um, like, for example, the roof, you know, they were kind of like, you know, we could do it. You know, Concho, especially, he had a little bit of experience with doing the the palm roof. But they were like, it would be better if we brought somebody else in. Like, there are specialists in in, in tying these these uh, palm fronds together to create a roof. And so we're like, yeah, let's let's bring in the specialist. And the specialist just so happened to be another family member. Um, so he's like the brother of the wife of one of another one of Carolina's uncles. So so we found that out. We're like, oh man, he's family too. So um, so his name is Piedrin. So we brought Piedrin in. That's his nickname. Uh, I think his real name is Pedro. But so we brought Piedrin in and. Uh, and that way he would, you know, he was our roof guy. So, um, so it was really, uh, it was really cool that in the end of it, you know, we didn't, we didn't bring in any, any like outside contractors. We really did it all within, within the family, um, and myself. And so, and that was cool too, cause that gave me a little more confidence too. And just, you know, being able to work with these guys and communicate with them and being able to kind of get involved myself in the process, um, which I immensely have enjoyed. That's so cool. So cool that you could, you could figure that all out without, you know, just like without the kind of infrastructure that we might have here in North America, where we can, we can go online and find someone for the job, right? They don't, they don't really have that there. Um, yeah. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about, or sorry, go on. What were you about to say there? Oh, no. Um, no, I, I was just going to say, you know, just uh, when you're talking about that North American infrastructure, you know, it just reminds me that, I had sometimes a very difficult time, like explaining to my mom what we were doing there. Like she wanted to know, you know, she, well, are you, are you doing the foundation and are you, are you, uh, are you doing all the plumbing and no mom, you know, we're, we're building a different, it's not a house. It's a, it's a rancho, you know, well, well what's a rancho. And it was just sometimes really hard to explain, you know, to my mom and to other people, like what it was that we were doing out there because it's just such a different, um, just such a different process. So we did really enjoy it. That's super cool. Can you tell me a, a little about your vision for the place? Like, is it, is it going to be kind of a self-sustaining farm or um, like a retreat center? Um, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So one, 
one of the things that really attracted us to the land and to, into like making the decision that we were going to drop everything and start building there was that we have uh, not only one, but several um, freshwater springs on the property where the water just bubbles up out of the ground and it is the freshest drinking water you could imagine. So you can just dip a glass right in or stick your face right in and just drink, you know, fresh, pure water right from the source. Um, and so that gives us, you know, a lot of, a lot of possibilities for the future um, because there's our water source, you know, there's our source of life. So our vision, you know, first and foremost is food sustainability. Um, we want to have just an abundance of food so that first and foremost, we're providing for ourselves. And then with whatever is left over, we can share with friends or, or sell, you know, their local markets that we could sell to or create products that we could, um, you know, export or, or move around Nicaragua, maybe. Um, so, so food sustainability, first and foremost. And then also, though, as we're doing that, we want to share it. We want to share it with other people. And so in order to be able to do that, we we want to build some guest cabins and and to be able to invite people up to come and stay with us and, and just see hands-on and first person, see what we're doing and and see that this other, like this other completely different lifestyle is possible and that it's fun. And that, you know, it puts a smile on your face every day and that it's not a hardship, um, but that you can really connect with the earth and relax up there. And um, I mean, we're just breathing in fresh air all day long, working outside and we have these beautiful views. And once we have our, you know, our food forest started, anytime you're hungry, you'll be able to just walk throughout the property and just, you know, pick bananas and mangoes and avocados and and whatever else, just fresh off the trees. Uh, um, and so that's kind of the vision. That's kind of the vision is to create something that we're really passionate about and that's comfortable for us. And then little by little, invite other people to to be able to kind of share in that um, and, and just to get to see that, that other perspective on life. Incredible. Uh, you talked a little bit before about how just how kind of raw the experience is in Nicaragua, which is one of the things I found felt kind of magical about being in Nicaragua was just how untouched a lot of places are and how even though people might live somewhere, there's no super highway just running right through the middle of the scenery or anything. It's just this kind of raw, untouched yeah remote land which is beautiful and i think that's awesome and i'm sure lots of people would love to come and experience that once you have your guest houses set up and stuff um yeah yeah i, I absolutely i love that i love that rawness as well of, of uh and even when we're up on our land like we look out and we see volcanoes and you know we see the ocean in the distance and there's honduras across the across the Gulf in El Salvador as well. And so you just kind of, you get that sense there is of, uh, it's really peaceful. It's, it's, uh, for me, it's, it's really peaceful being able to connect with that rawness and connect with that nature. Awesome. Um, as we close off in our last couple minutes here, could you, um, give a little bit of maybe advice or 
thoughts to someone who maybe hasn't um, started their traveling journey or has thought about moving somewhere like like South America or Central America or starting a new project like that? Could you give a couple words of wisdom as we close off here? Sure. Um, what would I say to somebody? I think I would, uh, my advice would to be one, you know, just go for it. Just do it. Don't be afraid of it. Um, there are a lot of unknowns, but I think if you embrace that unknown and you embrace all of those possibilities and just kind of allow it to happen, I think you start to, you start to find your, find your happiness. So I would say just, just go for it and keep an open mind as you're doing it as well. You know, things are definitely different in different parts of the world. And so you can't always be so attached to, you know, your own prejudices uh, that you've grown up with and your own way of doing things. You kind of have to go in with an open mind and accept that, accept that it's going to be an adventure and accept that it's going to be different. Um, but also, you know, that's what, that, that's what makes it so magical and so special. So. I would tell people to just go for it. That's awesome. All right, Jordan. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you and hearing all about your journey. Yeah. Thank you for having me on the Dode Mode. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of your progress and uh, we'll definitely keep in touch. I appreciate it, Dorian. Thank you. Awesome. Peace and love. We'll talk later. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to episode number seven of the Dode Mode podcast. I'd like to say thanks to Jordan as well for coming on the show. And a big thanks to my brother Duke for the music again. Um, if you guys wouldn't mind going and leaving a five stars on the little rating thing on Spotify, and then hop over on the Instagram and leave a comment to let me know some feedback if you listen to the show. Thanks so much, and I'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace and love. Bye.